it is unbelievable to get your refrigerator back. That's what I will tell you. It is incredible. Like suddenly our refrigerator is like not filled with like leftovers nobody's ever going to eat. Welcome to The Art of Fatherhood, a podcast that takes you on the journey of fatherhood. Now here's your host, Art Eddy. Sponsored by Cordell and Cordell, a partner men can count on. CordellCordell.com, 866-DADS-LAW. What's going on, everybody? Art Eddy here for another edition of the Art of Fatherhood podcast. I'm very happy to have this guy on once again. Earlier this year, we talked about fatherhood, journalism, baseball, all that good stuff. But he's got this great book out right here. I love it. Whether you are a fan of baseball or just great stories, Why We Love Baseball, A History in 50 Moments by Joe Posnanski. Thanks for taking the time to chat with me again this year, sir. How are you doing? <laughs> I, am, I am doing great. It is great to be back. Again, congrats on the book. We're going to go into the book in a second, but we're going to switch up the fatherhood questions. Uh, number one, right off the bat. So my daughters are big Taylor Swift fans. I'd say the my oldest one, who's 15, and I have another one who's 13, but my 15-year-old, she loves Taylor Swift. Of and it was almost like insult to injury because we couldn't get tickets, but we spent a week out in LA. We went to Joshua Tree, and we went to um, Disneyland. And so with LA traffic, I'm like, my wife and I are like, we're going to spend the hotel the night before we go into back home to North Carolina because we don't want to deal with traffic. We're not going to drive from Joshua Tree all the way to LA. It's not going to happen. But that hotel had pretty much everybody staying there for the Taylor Swift concert. So my daughter's like, oh, Oh, come on. So you took your your family to the Taylor Swift concert. How did you get tickets? And are you the coolest dad in the world because you got those tickets? Yes, I, I like at least for at least for like a moment, right? Like <laughs> you, you, you it, the moment never lasts for for, for very long. Uh, I got tickets by sitting in front of my computer for ten hours, ten hours on the day of the tickets went on sale. Um, obviously, everybody uh, who did uh, went through all of that knows the the whole nightmare situation. Um, but, but I was like, at, at like five hours, I'm like, this is, I'm not, I'm not going to get tickets. What am I doing? And I'm, you know, they, they go through my, and my daughter is not like when, when my daughter was, uh, my older daughter was 14. Uh, I took her to see Hamilton when Hamilton was sort of its biggest thing and spent an ungodly sum of money to, to, to get her Hamilton tickets and, and all of that. Um, but my my younger daughter is now 18 and she's about to go uh, she's in fact just left for college just a couple of days ago we uh, you were talking to an empty nester uh <laughs> trying to trying to trying to get by and it's like yes of course i want to do everything for my daughters but also she's like 18 like she can do stuff for herself you know what i mean like you get to a point where it's like ah. but i did i sat in front of that that computer screen for 10 hours Bought tickets, got good tickets at the end of the day, which was incredible to me after all that time that there were any tickets left. Uh, so got good tickets in Kansas City and and like would have been a hero anyway. But <laughs> as it turned out, as your daughter, I'm sure, will tell you, the Kansas City stop ended up being sort of the biggest stop of the entire tour. Uh, like she she debuted uh well she first of all she released uh one of taylor's versions uh albums that that yep. night 
And then she released like the world premiere of a video that she did. And Taylor Lautner was actually there. And Joey King was actually there. Like, it was a, it was incredible. It was like literally my daughter's phone was flooded with friends from all over the country because now that she's in college, she had already met them. All of them going, how did you get tickets to the best of the Taylor Swift shows? So yeah, so I am, I am at least for the moment sort of dad of the year. Nice. Well done, sir. Yeah. It's funny how Taylor Swift is in kind of invading this podcast because I spoke with Kenny Albert earlier. Um, sure. We're talking about how he took a selfie. He took his daughters to a, a concert, Taylor Swift concert, like a couple years ago. And then like he took a selfie with her because he was broadcasting a game from the Knicks. And during <laughs> halftime, he took a selfie and like his daughters were like so jealous. But it was just funny. And then also, too, you saying like that was the best one. It's like going to the World Series and seeing a no hitter happen, right? That's right. No, that's exactly what it was. It was it was it was a perfect game uh, already at at a World Series. Uh, it was look, she's she's beyond incredible. And there's you know you said my daughter's a Taylor Swift fan. And like at this point, that's sort of saying like I breathe oxygen. Like everybody's daughter is a Taylor Swift fan, uh, and everybody's wife is a Taylor Swift fan, and everybody. I'm like I'm a huge Taylor Swift fan. We're we're all Taylor Swift fans. So. And the show, you know, not to not to add to the jealousy that that I'm sure your your daughters feel. The show is better than you think it's going to be. Like you go in, my daughter prepared for the show in every possible way for months and months and months. What what to wear, what to how to you know. I, I can remember, and that's it, not hard to remember. Us just sitting around for like days making friendship bracelets that we were going to trade at the thing. I mean, I've got a bunch of them here that I made myself, and and uh, and then you go to the show and it's four hours of Taylor Swift, you know, nonstop, nonstop. I mean, it's it's beyond everything else. It's an athletic feat what yeah. she does at a concert. It's like the old Springsteen shows and in in, you know in the in the old days. Uh, but she's doing it for seventy five thousand people, and and you know it's 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 beyond belief. So th the show was incredible, and and uh, that was you know I I I feel really good because my my daughter is off now to college. She's starting her life in a in a big way, and we'd had we've had plenty of great moments together. But I had not had that like with my older daughter. I had that Hamilton moment, and now yeah. with my younger daughter, I have that Taylor Swift moment. Yeah, you don't want to play like tit for tat and like trying to like, you know, no. almost like a spreadsheet. But when you have those moments where it's something that you've experienced with one of your daughters and another of your daughter, obviously we have but we both have two daughters. So we can we can kind of uh, see the um, the similarity in that. Yeah, it's, it's great when things work out. So I love that. A couple more questions before we get into your book. What is the biggest difference between the time that you were growing up to now? I mean, you can say technology or whatever, but what do you think? Uh, maybe if you've talked about with this with your kids, what do you think is like the biggest, you know, difference from you, the time you're growing up to now with your your daughters? I know they're grown up now, but when they were growing up, what was the Yeah, I mean, there's so many differences. And yeah, some of it's technology, some of it's just time. I'll tell you something. This is not the biggest difference, but I think this speaks to what you're talking about. So we took our daughter, our daughter, our, our younger daughter is going to Wake Forest, uh, which is an amazing school. And we we took her uh, for pre-orientation and she checks into her dorm room and uh, it's, you know, it's, it's uh, very emotional for all of us, but it's also incredibly cool. And you remember your own days in college or whatever. And the funniest, ridiculous thing, they gave her the key to, so for her to have for the door. 
She had no idea what to do with it. She had literally no idea. She didn't know what a key was. Like she, she's never had a key in her entire life. Like the car starts because you have, the you know, fob. That thing, the fob in your pocket. Yeah. Right. And she's never had to like, like she's always come in through the garage door. She's never had a door key in her life. She literally didn't know what a key was. Like she, she like, what do I do? I put it in the lock and I turn like what? And so she was like completely baffled. And at some point she's like, where do I keep the key? And uh, my wife being prepared as she always is, had a Wake Forest keychain, and she gave uh, our daughter the Wake Forest keychain. And the response that she had was so funny. It was sort of like, "Wow, what a great idea!" Like, like my wife had invented the keychain. Like she had never had never seen one or heard of one. It was really, really funny. And I just think there's so much stuff like that. You know, like when my daughter sees a phone booth. Uh, which you never see now, yeah. but like when she used to see a phone booth, she was sort of like, oh, what a cool thing of the past, right? Like that's where Superman changed clothes and like that's a big thing in London or whatever. And it was like, no, we used to use phone booths. Yeah. Like we're old enough that we actually went in them to dial numbers and call people. And it's so much stuff like that that is just so different. I think the other differences, and I think you'll you'll speak to this, my and I, my parents did an amazing job, and I love my parents. But I didn't tell my parents stuff that that kids tell us. You know what I mean? Like there's a there's a closeness, and and you know to to almost to to the nth degree that you feel that you get when you raise kids. I mean, just for for a lot of reasons. Like when I was a kid, I would leave the house and I'd be gone all day and then I'd come home at night. Like we never did that with our kids, you know, and our kids there was always, where are you? What's going on? You know? And, and so there was, there's just a little bit of a different vibe with the way that, uh, that you raise kids today, but, uh, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I mean, everything about it has just been, uh, been amazing. And, and now that we're sort of entering a different chapter with both of our kids in college, um, you know, it really is a moment to kind of look back and go, wow, it's, it's, this has been quite a run, you know? Yeah. It's such a great answer. And it's almost too like your daughter's like, mom, you should make more of these on Etsy. They probably would sell. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this, this is such a good idea. You should absolutely. I mean, there's no way to, how else are you going to carry these keys? <laughs> Let's put them on a chain. What a good idea that is. We gave our daughters our uh, a set of keys to, uh, recently just because it's like they've gotten older it's like all right if you have different things and if you know we're out and about and mostly my wife and I work from home but like god forbid like we're picking something up and someone at a dog's appointment like all right you take the key and they're like all right cool so at least we got them on that but it's also too like for their allowance we'll give them cash and it's like yeah they don't take cash so the mom like <laughs> they're out with the family it's like so I'm like am I just giving them stuff that they're not going to even need anymore oh, yeah cash <laughs> thing is another thing I mean that is just I I think about that all the time like, you know, and I, I was thinking the other day, we, we went on the road and, you know, you, you, uh, you know, whatever you the valet the car or something like that. And you want to give the guy a tip or you want to give somebody that carries cash around. Nobody carries cash around anymore, you know? And what's your Venmo, and, man? <laughs> yeah, that's what Venmo's for. And so our daughter, uh, our younger daughter actually had cash because uh, she had babysat and she got an actual cash, although even that most of the time she gets Venmoed, but she got actual cash. And she's like, well, here, I'll give you my cash to 
pay whatever you need to do. And you Venmo me. And you could tell for her, it was sort of like, I will give you these worthless and meaningless pieces of paper and you give me money. You know what I mean? Like this is this is not money. This is like, this is just things that, that represent something. But you give me actual money in Venmo and I'll give you these pieces of paper. So funny. And you mentioned like phone booths. Who knew that a TGI Fridays or like some restaurant that has all like the quirky yes. stuff like stapled to the wall, like a record player, like my, my kids now, like my oldest, she's like, hey, I just bought her like the limited edition Taylor Swift vinyl at her at Taylor's site. And right. I'm going to want like a record player or whatever for Christmas or whatever. But like, like she, they'd be in there and I'm like, what's that? What's that? I'm like, well, when I was growing up, this was a v- <laughs> VCR and you put a VHS tape, right? It's all, it's like, who knew like you could go with like, the TGI Fridays was a museum and a place you could get a dinner. Like that was, this, this is kind of funny. It's uh, so funny. But if you think about it, like everything like that in our lives, like you talk about the VCR and there we were recording on VCRs or whatever, but like the DVD is gone. It's gone. The <laughs> DVD, which was like the, which was like a, like a quantum leap forward from the VCR. And now like she looked, they look at DVDs that we have in this house and they're like, what what is what's the point of this like like why would you have like a physical movie it doesn't make any sense makes it worse too like we have a dvd player a blu-ray player and it's like we don't connect to the internet and like while we're watching if we have like a movie that we don't want to pay for that's on you know like a blu-ray we put it in there and all of a sudden it's like you're not connected to the internet like a thing like a (laughs) pop-up and we're like this is insane so like at one point we're like let's can we find this on like streaming service so we don't have to have this pop-up we have an even better version we have a, uh, a DVD player and several DVDs that like we don't have the movies of and the, the it doesn't it, like it works, but we don't have the remote control for it. And I don't even know how to turn it on. Like there's no play button on the actual <laughs> DVD player. So it's like, well, this is worthless. I don't have a, I don't have a remote control. I can't even, I can't even, I could put them in, but I yeah. can't even start them. It's, it's hilarious. All right. My last question, I'm going to kind of switch up. I, you know, one time I asked you like a dad hack or a piece of advice for new dads. I think we're, since you're on the other spectrum, right. Where like you are now in an empty nester. How do you guys, how do you and your wife prepare for that stage? Like what is something that maybe hits you now since your, your youngest is now in college that maybe parent, and I know like the all idea, like time flies, we get that. I even think last time we were talking, you said like, and you know, embrace every moment. And cherish every moment but what is something in, in terms of empty nesters if people are listening to this and they're going to be doing that like what is a piece of advice you'd offer to them well it's it's so new for us though i mean this is day two of our empty nest world. so <laughs> so i don't i don't have a full thing but one thing i will tell you is it is unbelievable to get your refrigerator back that's what i will tell you it is incredible like suddenly our refrigerator is like not filled with like leftovers nobody's ever going to eat and pizza like that I don't even remember when they ordered it and like all of that stuff's out so we we can like look in our fridge and 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 everything is just like if I say to my wife like the second I guess was it maybe even the night we dropped her off I said to my wife like hey what do you what do you think we was late let's get something to eat uh, we'll pick something up what do you want and it was like Oh, we can decide ourselves. We can just, we don't, we don't need to like get the, no, I don't feel like that. Like the, which is all our daughters ever said every time we wanted to go and get some food. So, so that part of it is like pretty cool. I, the yeah. silence, 
and the 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 weird feeling of them not being here. I know that's going to like slowly, surely uh, creep up on us. But right now it sort of feels like, hey, we're kind of on vacation. Like the, the, <laughs> the girls are gone. We got our house back. Like this is pretty cool, actually. <laughs> love it. Awesome. Thank you very much for talking about that. Now I want to talk about this, why we love baseball. I mean, so this is a great book and I, and I hate to say it just because of the generation that we're in, because you know, this, like your sub stack is great. Cause I also encourage people to check out your sub stack and also the, the Taylor Swift article as well. But we live in a society where I think like even Fox sports, like took down like Ken Rosenthal's articles and it was just like all videos now and all that. And now he's, you know, he's, he's finding his way. Everyone's evolving, right? You know, this obviously, and you're writing great books, but like you break this down into like vignettes and stories about certain things. I'm looking at a chapter. Obviously I'm a big Bo Jackson fan. And so I went right to the Bo Jackson throw and I'm like, I love it. But <laughs> and I remember like, it's like, while I'm reading this, I just have vivid memories of him throwing him out and all that. But I love the research that you did for that. Um, and, and, and he is just, uh, uh, Bo Jackson is just a living legend. And there are certain stories and athletes might say something about another athlete like this, like he did this and like, he jumped over a wall, like Bo Jackson jumped over walls, all of these things. Yeah. You're not stretching the truth. when he does that, what impresses you? Cause you covered obviously the Royals and all that. And Bo, what impresses you the most about Bo Jackson? I think the most impressive thing to me, and you know, there's there's as you as you as you know, there there's multiple Bo Jackson stories in here because there's multiple Bo Jackson stories to tell. Um, the thing that impressed me the most about Bo Jackson was how unimpressed he was with himself. Like everybody else around him was like, "What? You just." climbed up a wall and he's like yeah whatever don't make a big deal about it and uh and you know you 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 hit a home run with a broken bat like he had one play that i that i talked about in there where he literally stepped out to call timeout the umpire did not give him the timeout so he stepped back in and he hit a home run i mean it's it's uh, it's beyond belief what this guy did and he was such an athletic marvel. I mean, the thing that's incredible is you know and i'm thinking a lot about football now because that's gonna be my next book he was even more amazing in football in some ways, right? Like in football, he was un, untouchable, uncatchable. It was, it was remarkable. But in a very short baseball career, too short, sad, sadly yeah. short baseball career, he did as many legendary things as some of the greatest players who ever lived, you know? And the same thing is true in football. Like in football, I think Bo is either tied or has the record for most 90 yard runs. And he only played like three seasons. Right. So <laughs> it's, it's the, 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 to me, he was so incredible. And yet he himself kind of never, like yeah. he would get annoyed that people would say to him like, Oh my God, you're so, so incredible at this. He would really get annoyed. He'd be like, I'm still learning. Uh, it was no big deal. The the play that that I focus most on, as you mentioned, the the time he threw out Harold Reynolds uh, from from wherever the warning track, basically yeah. throwing the ball on a fly. Um, and he, he didn't want to talk about it afterward. He was like, yeah, whatever. I mean, everybody else is like even George Brett, like Hall of Famers are just this is the most amazing thing I've ever seen in my life. And he's like, yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, that's and that only made it better, I think, with with Bo. 
no doubt. Like I had, like, I remember I was shaking in my boots the time I had a chance to interview him. And this was via Skype. I was in New Jersey. I was in like this small little office in my, in, in uh, our condo. And my wife came home early that day. She's like, I'll make sure, you know, kids are fine. So I'm like, all right, cool. I just remember <laughs> like talking to him and like immediately, like every nervousness that I had went away and he was just an awesome dude. And my mom passed away due to cancer. I know his mom did too. And that story where his mom's like, go play baseball again, go, yeah. you know, after the injury. And what stinks is now, if he played now, that injury would be, he'd be rehabilitated and he'd be fine. He could be going again. Right. Sure. He hit a home run when he, you know, played for the Royals, got injured. Then he played for the White Sox and hit a home run. I'm getting goose up right now. Like who, who does that other than Bo Jackson? Right. No, that's right. I mean, like he just was, you know, we talk about certain athletes who are larger than life, and that is Bo more than probably anybody else uh, that I've seen. Not There were other players who did incredible legendary things, and some of them at the end of the day are, you know, Bo's not going to the Hall of Fame yeah. um, in either football or baseball. But when you talk about just being – just a titan i mean just so much above everybody else i don't i don't know that there's ever been anybody like bo no doubt and, and and i think another person that we have right now that you you appreciate and you understand his importance but sometimes when we're living in the moment we really don't appreciate who this person is and the impact Shohei otani man like yeah. there's no one ever gonna be like just like bo jackson but Shohei Otani's not only like Alone, if he was pitching, he'd be the one of the best pitchers. If he was just hitting, he'd be one of the best, you know, yeah. field, I mean batters, right? But he's doing both. Like, this is insane, right? <laughs> it's it's beyond insane. I mean, there, there, there's just never been anything like it. And I mean, people always, and you understand why, but people always want to point to Babe Ruth, right? Because Babe Ruth was a great pitcher and he was a great hitter. But not at the same time. And 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 it was different in his time. It was before the designated hitter and all that. But still not in his time. And and as good a pitcher as he was, it was different back then. He pitched in dead ball era when it was just about making, you know, just 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 getting guys to hit ground balls. I mean, it was it was different. And he was excellent. He was a great pitcher. He was particularly a great uh, World Series pitcher. But Shohei is like the hardest pitcher in baseball to hit. He's the hardest pitcher in baseball to hit. And he'd probably win the MVP just for his offense this year. You know, I mean, he's already won an MVP as sort of the combo thing, but he's probably the best hitter in, in the American League. Um, and he's one of the best pitchers in the American League, and he's doing it at the same time in an era of specialization that was not true uh, of the 1910s and 20s and 30s. Everybody, everybody does one thing now, right? That's true across sports. Everybody does one thing and here's somebody. And and the other thing I'd say about it is I think most people thought it was impossible, which is part of why Shohei wanted to do it, right? It was that people thought you can't do it. You cannot be a great hitter and a great pitcher in the major leagues at the same time. And the fact he's doing it, I think one has opened the world to, to, players doing this in the future but two it's you know one thing i always say is that from a lifetime of covering sports is look at what the other players are saying and thinking and it's not a question of other players being smarter about this but 
if they're in awe of you, then you are on a completely different level. And, and players are in awe of Shohei Otani and, and they should be, he's, he's just, we've never seen anything like it. No, no doubt. Yeah. And what you said though, that's so great because what you said about the, what are other players saying about that person, right? Totally different sports and not on the same level of the accomplishments Baker Mayfield, like I remember watching when he, um, you know, played with the Browns, left, went to the Panthers, got cut, and then immediately got picked up to, by the Rams. And he played within two days right. on a Thursday night game. And people, and he did pretty well. He brought him back and they won. And NFL, current NFL players were like, what he's doing right now should not happen. And yeah. like, I was yeah. just like, like I was reading more than anybody that was like writing it in the NFL covering that. I was like, when players are like giving their flowers to Baker who can obviously be off putting by the, if you like, if you're on his team, yes, you love his bravado. If you're going against him, like let's sack the heck out of this guy. Right. Yeah. Just when you said that about what other people are saying that immediately popped in my mind when he went there and played with the Rams and everyone's like, this is insane. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I think that that guides us. I mean, we all knew Mike Trout was a great player, but when you would listen to other players talk about how great he was, that's when it really kicked in that this guy was on a different level. And obviously the same was true of Jordan. And obviously the same was true of Brady. And obviously the same was true of Bo Jackson. And, you know, when you you would listen to other players talk about him and you listen to players talk about Shohei Otani and they're, they they turn into kids like they're just like they're little kids just looking up to their hero and and it's it's so fun it's so fun also what's fun is the different stories and and i go on youtube to check certain things out that you've written in this book (laughs) i again you have such a talent the way you write and also too i love how sometimes you even bring in uh, guests, you know, friends of yours or people yes. who were there, like the Mariners about like what the double meant you brought in. You're like, and it was just great. He said, I love the fact that you're like, he's going and he had fun with it. You let him you know, like just paint all the colors and like, he did great. <laughs> but one of the things that like, I immediately went to my iPad after I read that one story was with the Miami and Wichita State in the. Oh, yeah. The, the, the Grand Illusion. Yeah. <laughs> That was amazing. And <laughs> so I got to give kudos to you because like I'm reading what you wrote and I'm watching the YouTube after I'm like, you describe this so well that like, I like watching this, I was listening to your words that you wrote while I was watching the play. So well done, man. <laughs> well, I, I really do think there are so many moments in this book that people will either say, Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that. But they'll immediately want to go to YouTube to see it again. Or they'll be like, I've never heard of this. And they'll want to go to YouTube and see it. Uh, And MLB uh, has a YouTube channel just for that, um, which is, which is really cool. And I'm actually going to have sort of a little, MLB is going to run some of my pieces with the video uh, next to it. And I think that's awesome. I mean, to me, like there's a companion. I I think like, I, I think, there's a whole section here, as you know, I did. So this is the, the countdown of the 50 greatest moments ever. And then in between there is, there are sections where I list off five of a certain kind of thing, five trick plays. You mentioned the grand illusion uh, play that uh, the university of Miami did uh, five trick plays, five funny things, five duels, whatever the case may be. And one of the things uh, that I have in there is five uh, barehanded plays. 
uh, because I there was something I thought about as I was writing that. And I don't know how anybody can read the Kevin Mitchell barehanded play without immediately going to YouTube and seeing the play. <laughs> like I, I read my own words. I'm like, Oh, I got to watch that again. I mean, it's like, there are so many moments in here that I think are just for baseball fans. You just, yeah, maybe they weren't that important in the moment, but you'll never forget them. And you want to just cling to them. And that was, that's a big part of what this book is about. That, but then also too, like I learned, like I'm more into football and I'm really excited that, you're writing a football book. This is going to be amazing for me. So awesome. <laughs> but like, I love all, all sports. and I love the different stories and the way you tell them are really are, are fantastic. But I, one thing I learned from that, and I got like, this is such a cool, like Jackie Robinson and Yogi Berra story to me, like those are two figureheads of major league baseball, obviously with Jackie Robinson, with everything that um, he has done um, and, and brought awareness. And also too, like you are definitely, um, very, um, you know, you, you're an uh, advocate for the Negro leagues and all that and, and how, and, um, the importance of that too, but the Yogi Berra and Jackie Robinson story to me, and just like, even when he, Yogi Berra would, uh, interact with his family and be like out and all that. And it yeah, just like, yeah. he walks past his, the museum, he yells out, like, to me, those are the stories that I think made baseball what it was and maybe now with the we're gonna i'm gonna ask you about like you know the way that everything is kind of shortened in the the new rules and all that but like it just seems like the book that you have is just a, a homage and a love uh that you have for baseball and just hearing that story like i was like that like, i never just learning that was amazing so when you're writing these stories how hard is it for you because you have a love of baseball like this has to go in, this has to go out. Like how tough was it to select which ones were going in? Yeah, there's there was a, there was a lot left on the cutting room floor for sure. Uh, complete essays that I was not able to get in, uh, uh -huh. which I'm actually giving uh, away to people who pre-order the book. Um, it's, it's, you know, it was hard, but yet I, this, this book was, was very different from any other book that I've written in that it ended up being much more personal than I think any book I've written but it also kind of shaped itself over time. Like it was many different things. It, I started off with one idea and changed it and changed it and changed it and changed it again. And eventually the book kind of sort of set itself up for, for what it was going to be. And, you know, uh, I knew for you, you tell the story about, about uh, Jackie Robinson stealing home against Yogi Berra's Yankees in the 55 world series. And, and that's, I love that story. Uh, who does it, right? It's, it's, it's it not, not only because we'll never know if he was out or safe, <laughs> uh, but the fact that throughout, you know, Yogi's life, he, he would, you know, every time he passed the photo of it in his museum, he would say out, even, even if nobody was there, he'd be like out. <laughs> um, and I love, and he, every time he would see Rachel Robinson, uh, uh, he she would say safe and he would say out and they would hug and and I I love that image so much, um, but I'm like the the I it's the first book I've written where I came up with the title before I'd written the first word. Oh, okay. Yeah, every one of the other ones, maybe I had an idea in mind, maybe I didn't, but the title came later. And this one, why we love baseball, was it's like I had the title before I had exactly what this book is. And every single moment, like that moment, I'm like, is this why we love baseball? And some moments, I would honestly say, great moment for the game, but no, not really why we love baseball. Um, 
And then I would come to moments like that, like the Jackie Robinson uh, steal of home. Like this is the essence of why we love baseball. This is <laughs> this is at the very heart of why we love baseball. So so a lot of that really sort of the book self-edited. I mean, a lot of moments that I love um, when I would ask myself why we love baseball, I'd be like, um, no, not really. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a great moment, but is it really why we love baseball? Maybe not. And, and so, so that was, that was a big part of, of putting the book together. Awesome. Two more questions. Uh, one, when we spoke uh, before the father, when we spoke earlier, uh, the, the regular season didn't start, you know, and it was kind of like with the new rules and you had an open mind. Like if you listen to the podcasts that you and Mike sure do and different interviews and different articles you write about, you had an open mind and it was really cool to see that a lot of people are digging it. A lot. I feel like a lot of people yeah. are watching more and more in, in the games and all that. Are you happy with the, the way that this season's going? Absolutely ecstatic with the rules and the way that they've come about. I mean, specifically the, 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 the pitch clock, uh, pitch timer, that one, I mean, the other rules have had, I wouldn't say they've had a, an enormous impact. I mean, we were seeing more stolen bases uh, because of, you know, the, the pitcher can only step off a couple of times now, and which I think is really good. And so we're seeing a few sort of on the edges changes, but the big change is certainly the pace of play. And the games are 25 minutes shorter than they were a year ago. And it's not you're not losing 25 minutes of action. You're losing 25 minutes of standing around doing nothing. And so the games are brisker and they feel more energetic. Um, and the players have totally adjusted to it. I mean, I think all the fears that, oh, you know, we're going to end up in a World Series where the game is going to be decided by whatever, it's not going to happen. I mean, the players are adjusted. They they don't even think about the pitch clock anymore. And, and I think it's been great. Attendance is way up. Um, the excitement about the game is up. The young players, uh, like Shohei, you mentioned, but I mean, Ronald Acuna Jr. and Ellie De La Cruz in Cincinnati. And, uh, you know, I could go on and on. Baltimore, so much excitement there. Texas, um, it's it's really, really cool. And there's an energy happening around the game now that I, I don't think we have felt, certainly since before COVID and maybe even a few years before that. I, there, There's a real excitement about baseball and of course as somebody who loves the game uh <laughs> I, I couldn't be happier i couldn't right, be happier right. about it all right before the father quick five i gotta say so this your book definitely like just made me think about a lot of things and so one time when i put it down i looked at the cover great but it's not like number one new york times bestseller author right and so i'm like you you appreciate the game of baseball you appreciate the accolades and what certain titles mean so what's the equivalent for new york number one new york times bestselling author in the world of baseball for you Good, good question. Um, I guess it means that I led the league in home runs one year, maybe. I mean, like, <laughs> like, like, like I, I think, like, I mean, it's, it was, it's such a surreal thing to me that that I've that I've not only had a New York Times best, I've had a few now New York Times bestsellers, but I've had a number one. Uh, that is kind of surreal. Uh, that and and I'm I, I don't take it for granted. Um. So I guess, but I mean, but it's, but it's not putting you in the hall of fame. I mean, there've yeah, been a lot of guys that are number one New York times bestseller. So like it might not even be home runs. I might've led the league in doubles one year. I mean, I, mean, I don't want to, I don't want to overstate it. No, um, we're going with home runs. We're going with home runs. You get to the number I, one, like that's, that's a home run. Like, well, as a sports one, right? writer, being a number one New York times bestseller, there are not many of us. Let's just say that there are not many sports books that have been number one on the New York times bestseller list. So, uh, so that's a pretty good place to be. 
Awesome. Thank you very much for letting uh, indulging me in that question. Now we're going to finish off with the Father Cook Five, and it's going to be all baseball. If you want to hear the original Father Cook Five, go to the first time I interviewed Joe. He had a lot of great answers that for that. But for now, it's going to mostly there's going to be four baseball and one little uh, bonus like mystery question. Um, okay. Favorite baseball team collection overall in their repertoire. Like I have an article that I'm working on right now that I have like the top ten that I really loved. But for you, out of like the team and it could be like a short team it could be like maybe the uh the devil rays or the rays where they didn't have a long span like the red sox or the yankees yankees and red sox really don't switch it up but with all the different uniforms now more than ever but is there one team that stands out with their their uniforms are like legit better than everyone else's well the uniform that always 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 makes me happy uh without question is the brown padres uniform that's the one that gets me every single time uh, and I kind of like some of the versions, like with the pinstripes, some of the other things they've come up with. So I'm going to say the Padres. I think the Padres, I mean, look, they, they, you can go with the classic. Obviously, Cardinals fans would would always uh, put themselves uh, at the very top of that. Uh, there are some other really, really cool uniforms. Uh, the Dodgers, classic, classic blue, although it's the Royals basically is the same. You know, they, they copied <laughs> them, essentially. Um but the Padres, the Padres stand out to me as a great uniform. What is yours? What is your what is your top one? Even though I'm a Red Sox fan, they have a lot of cool, great ones and all that. But yes. I would say for me, um, one one of the ones that stands out, because I was growing up in Chicago at the time, and I think this is more sentimental, was the White Sox. Yes. Because I had, and I finally found, because I'm, I'm bald and I, I don't like the snapbacks, I just want a flex fit. Found a Chicago store that sent me the C, the one with like the cursive C. Oh, and nice. It was when I was like playing in little league, we were the white Sox in uh, neighborville, Illinois. And when they gave us the, the hats, I'm like, I love it. I love the cursive going up. And they all, of course, everyone loves the big, like the socks written out and like yeah. the Sox hat and all that. And when they went to all black and when Bo Jackson was on there, wore number eight, I got his Jersey, but I love for some reason that just brought a time to me where playing baseball with my friends, Felt like I was like part of like the super super minor league of the White Sox. They had that in real Illinois, but like I don't know why, but like that the White Sox different jerseys over the years, you know, definitely got me. Good good uniform. The shorts though were terrible. The, the shorts <laughs> that, that that uniform had to, that 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 did not work at all. What was it like too? Like the the Diamondbacks and the Reds also had like the the tank tops almost. Yes. <laughs> That didn't work either. That didn't work either. All right. Rank these from least to greatest. They're all great. But for you, this is you personally. World Series, College World Series, and Little League World Series. Ooh. All all fantastic. All absolutely fantastic. Um, All right. I'd probably – look, I'm going to rank the World Series the bad, the greatest. Okay. And I'm going to probably put – like I love the Little League World Series, but the College World Series is such a cool event and in some ways underappreciated. Like yeah. in some ways, the Little League World Series has become a little overhyped in my mind. It's, <laughs> it's amazing, but I mean, we're treating these little kids like they're like they're, you know, and it's it's a lot of pressure and there's like it's a fun, little no, bit of it's a fun dark side. That. It's funny you say that because my 13-year-old, she's looking like we were at a restaurant where we're like back to school shopping because they're getting ready to go back to school. And we ate at a restaurant and it had like the little league. And she goes, ugh. I'm like, what? She goes, 
Little League World Series. These kids think they're <laughs> pros. Look at them. They're walking around. They have this uniform. I'm like, whoa, like, where did this come from? He's yeah, like, that's a... I don't know. I think it's just <clears throat> too big for them. I was like, okay. <laughs> we we need to be young to be able to say that. I don't think we can say that as, you know. It's look, I love the event. And it's and when the moment is cool, the moment is is as cool as any place else. But there's a little bit of a dark side. I mean, it's it's they're they're really young. That's a lot of pressure on them. I mean, yeah. the College World Series is maybe the most underappreciated event in American sports because it's so cool. And college baseball is not college football. It's not college basketball. But the energy and excitement and, uh, I mean, it's cool. The only thing I would change is I would make them use wooden bats okay. for the College World Series. Like, that's the one thing. And maybe you don't even do it for the rest of the time. But in the College World Series, you have to use wooden bats uh and uh and i think that would be amazing it's it's such a great event no doubt this past um you know uh this year's one was fantastic where everyone's oh. like counted out lsu like oh they're done they yeah. got they got their butts kicked in the game too they're done and it's like no they came back <laughs> it was incredible it was and so much i mean you know you had the old blood you had new blood like wake forest i mean it was really really fun player you learned most about while writing uh why we love baseball is Ooh, um, there are a few players I knew nothing about when I when I first started uh, this book. Um, I think the cool thing, and this is going to be such a cop-out answer, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. I learned stuff, every single chapter I learned stuff that I did not know. Okay. I mean, there's nothing in this book that I came in uh, knowing every single thing that I wrote about, um, which is really cool. That's what That's what makes me so excited about it. What makes me so excited about it is like if I learn stuff in every single chapter, I gotta believe the reader is gonna learn stuff, and you know, no matter how big a baseball fan they are, they're gonna learn stuff in this book. And um, you know, there's there are there are a couple of players in here I knew nothing about. Probably my favorite chapter along those lines is the chapter I wrote about Chelsea Baker, who people will not know uh, at all, um, but Chelsea is still a very young woman. She um, she threw two perfect games in Little League, uh, which is really cool. And she's in the she's in the Hall of Fame. Like her jersey is in the Hall of Fame, which is incredible. That's how I found out about her. Um, but her story is so awesome. I mean, she learned the knuckleball from Joe Negro, and that's what she used to. Th I mean, the whole story is beyond belief. And I knew nothing. I had never heard of that story at all. And now I've become you know. Uh, uh, friends uh, with Chelsea and she's incredible. And uh, so this is that, that one is what I'll go with. So good. Yeah. And, and the other one too, I, I, I'm, I'm like, I kind of don't even want to spoil it, but the one I'm, I'm just going to say the girl that uh, has ties with Ichiro. Yes. Yes. Fantastic. That like, oh. that to me was like, <laughs> again, where you see someone who knows how big the game is. Ichiro knew that. And that story, and I, I, I'm not going to even say anything more because I want people to pick up this book because, like I said, this is a fantastic read. But that I was just like, just like with Chelsea, I was like, these are awesome. These yeah. were great stories. I loved it. <laughs> um, and that's a great gauge for you too. Like if someone who's well versed in baseball has learned something, you know that this book is going to be so, so fun. right there. Um, favorite year of baseball cards? Do you have one? Because you, you and Mike Sure did a lot of great job, a lot of great things in raising money for different charities. You guys did the baseball thing. You were signing stuff and, and all that good stuff was great. 
Uh, but you guys, it was such an awesome thing. Like you guys, who's going to want this? I wanted this. This was amazing. <laughs> this is like, took me back to my childhood. So for you, favorite year of baseball cards, uh, what year? I'm going to have to say my favorite year is my first year of collecting, which is the 1975 tops. Nice. Plus they're so trippy. They're like weird, <laughs> like neon weird colors. Everything is going all sorts of different directions. Uh, they were clearly on something when they made, when they came up with that one. Right. Like they, like they were very serious. Like 1971 were like all black and just black, you know? And then they're like, let's go with something completely, you know, uh, 1970s ish. Um, I love that one. There are so many cool ones though. And now of course, cards are works of art, you know? I mean, they're just completely, they're just beyond belief how beautiful and shiny and, and thick they are. I mean, they're just, they're, they really are. They're like, it's like buying little pieces of art. Um, uh, but I, I love those 75 tops. I always will. Nice. And lastly, Lear's the Curveball. Favorite Taylor Swift song is? Oh, favorite Taylor Swift song. You know, I was asked the question, what my favorite album was by like multiple people when I was at the concert. And I think it was just basically like, do you, did you just bring your daughter here and you know nothing about Taylor Swift? You know, um, here's the thing. It's a cop out. I, my daughter asked me again and again and again, what my favorite Taylor Swift song is. And I always give her the same answer. And she always says it's a terrible answer because it's an old Taylor Swift song back when she was kind of country and like she's done so much since then. And and I love a lot of the new stuff. And Antihero is one of my favorite all time. But I just go back to You Belong With Me. I just go back to the old roots of, of Taylor. I love that uh, uh, video. I love everything about that song. It just feels it feels so happy and 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 so much like what high school is about. So I'll go with You Belong With Me. I know it's a bad answer, but I, that's oh, my it's answer. a good answer. No, it's it's yeah, I like it. Nice. It's, it's one of the OG uh, originals, so I love it. Nice. Yes. Uh, people make sure you follow Joe on Twitter and Instagram at J, the letter J, and then Poznanski. And also pick up his book, Why We Love Baseball, wherever you purchase books or pre-order books, whenever you're listening to this. But Joe, again, thank you again for the time. You're always gracious with your time. Love the work that you do, um, not just for raising charity, but just also just the way you put a story together and the way you share the love that you have for baseball and just certain things that you cover is fantastic. But I wish you and your family continued success, but it's always a joy chatting with you, man. Awesome, man. I really enjoyed it. Thanks a lot. I want to thank this week's sponsor, Cordell and Cordell, for sponsoring the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Really appreciate their support. For more information on them, go to their website at cordellcordell.com. And while you're on the internet, make sure you check out the Art of Fatherhood website at artoffatherhood.net. You can check out the latest podcasts, and you can also check out the weekly columns such as The Dad's Doing It Right, The Collector of the Week, bonus interviews, giveaways, reviews, articles I've written with my family, and so much more. Make sure you go to artoffatherhood.net, and also please rate, subscribe, and review wherever you listen to your podcast, because that would help spread the word about the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Art of Fatherhood podcast. Leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts, and go to artoffatherhood.net.